0: goes
1: without saying. Welcome everybody to a special bonus episode of the It Goes Without Saying podcast. I am Cass, your host, and I am joined today by my bestie, even though we are separated by 30 years, Dr. Nancy Fox. Welcome, welcome, Nance.
0: So great to see you today and hear your voice. <laughs> Nancy Fox
1: has been an educator for over 25 years, and she has been a pioneer in the Lyme community for the last 10 years. She has written two children's books on Lyme disease, No Ticks, Please, and Hide and Seek's No Ticks, Please. There's a bonus in the Spanish versions as well, and she is currently working on her third educational children's book all about different chronic illnesses. Nancy also created a full K-12 curriculum that many schools have now purchased and are using to educate their kids about Lyme disease through all different class types, health, science, math, whatever you take, you can learn something about Lyme disease and prevention. And she created the Lyme Education Awareness Foundation, or LEAF, which she has graciously allowed me to be the VP of for the past, what are we on now, three years, I think three years, Mm -hmm. three years where we go around and we educate different kids and their parents and whoever else is listening about Lyme disease and tick prevention techniques. Together, we have educated over 6,000 kids through about 20 different states, I think, if we count them all up. And we have traveled over 15,000 miles together in her little Prius. So, welcome, Dr. Nancy Fox, and thank you for being here to educate all of our listeners about Lyme disease tick prevention and awareness.
0: Thank you so much, Cass, for having me today. It's always a pleasure to reach people and let them know how. The other pandemic has been going on for decades and many people don't understand that, um, but it's starting to be correlated and Lyme disease needs that kind of recognition, that media recognition that we don't always get. Agreed.
1: So let's kick it off by talking about what is Lyme disease for you and how long have you been a Lyme warrior for because she also has Lyme disease.
0: Okay, well, the estimation is I've had Lyme disease approximately 14 or 15 years prior to being diagnosed. So that makes me the Lyme warrior. and now past that diagnosis, we are we're at the 30 over the 30 year mark. So Lyme disease for me is tired, too tired to get up, to crawl across the floor, to go to the bathroom. Lyme disease for me is achy joints and not understanding why they are there. Lyme disease for me is an early aging process. Lyme disease for me is going, maxing out your credit cards to get the treatment that you so desperately need to get your life back on track. It is also... A miscommunication with the people you love and the people around you, your friends, your family, everyone, because no one understands this gradual progression that I I experienced and not being able to do all the things that you're expected to do as a member of a family unit or friends or whatever. It also is a launch into something that I love. So without Lyme disease, I don't know that two books that would help many, many children and adults would have occurred. So for me, it's also looking at all the tough, challenging parts of Lyme disease also gave me the springboard to write, to communicate, to educate on a level that I never expected.
1: I'm going to throw in there also, not only just the two books, but the whole entire curriculum and all the people that you have touched. So don't don't bring yourself down, lady. You know, that's why I'm here to bring you up.
0: <laughs> I'm glad bringing you guys just have to remember me how remind me how busy I was once I got past um, the stage of not being able to think, move or do into full fledged with somebody's got to know about this. And as an educator, children have to be educated about this. And maybe they could teach their parents the safety techniques and we can get to the parents who don't always understand, as I didn't understand, pre-diagnosis of Lyme and Babesia and all the other microorganisms that were floating around my, my body, that a small tick bite could change your life. And our slogan is changing and saving children's lives one lesson at a time, because what I learned is safety isn't a priority unless you know how dangerous it is. Everybody knows that if you're walking across the street and you don't look both ways before you start the walk, it could be dangerous. Most people don't understand the danger in getting a tiny little tick bite. And therefore I found it my mission to do so. So prevention is key. That was a good
1: analogy. I like that. That is so good. We need to add that in for the next tour. That's so good. i glad recording it. <laughs> <laughs> for Just a little fun tidbit of information. When we travel together, Nancy sometimes has to be my body because my body wouldn't work. And I'm, then I'm her brain because I would remember things. So that's how we work. We
0: function as one human being together. <laughs> yes, that's the beauty of our teamwork.
1: <laughs> so you talked about the important things and stuff. So can you explain to us some of the dangers of ticks and things like that? Because, Nancy, aren't they just a little tiny bug?
0: Yeah, they're a little tiny bug that crawls around looking for a blood meal because that's how they survive. It's like going to McDonald's and filling up with everything you possibly get. Not that we would do that. But... <laughs> because we would rather go to Whole Foods and fill up there. <laughs> but that's what they do. They just go and they, they just gorge themselves until they have enough to sustain themselves for many, many weeks, months, whatever it may be for them, depending on their stage of life. And they also, when they do that, they pick up viruses and bacteria. And that those viruses and bacteria actually can be very harmful and parasitic to the human body. The Lyme disease, bacteria, the Powassan virus can actually be deadly. And not to scare anyone on this call, but, you know, just to realize that a tick can pick up so many different and variations. You know, I think the general public is learning that the variations of a virus or a bacteria can be so hard to detect so those little ticks pick the you know viruses and bacteria up as they go along and get their blood meal and then eventually they come and bite a human and or they bite our pets or they never get to the pet but they drop off and bite the human in the family and then that causes us severe issues that may happen immediately or may not may lie dormant and just cause havoc. Yes.
1: And then another thing that we always mention while we are doing our thing. So we know that ticks, they carry all these different bacterias, but one tick can lay up to three to five thousand eggs. So that's one tick creating three to five thousand more new ticks at a time. And then they have to go and find something or someone to have a meal from afterwards. I think that aspect as well is just so when you think about that number and you're like, wait a second, wait a second. That is a lot
0: of ticks that need to go find something to eat. And who's the closest to them? Mice, rabbits, cats, dogs, humans. All kinds of little mammals out there in the wooded area where they normally are when they probably are hatched out or in wooded piles or in the tall grasses or on a log that's been laying around. That's probably where that mass of tick eggs are found. I was going to say, if you want to gross yourself
1: out, you can go ahead and Google a tick nest. <laughs> it's disgusting yes it it gives me the heebie-jeebies I like can't do
0: it it's so gross gross and so dangerous but doesn't look that dangerous it just looks gross
1: and you would never know so a question that we also I'm gonna play like the oh I'm new to the world kind of person (laughs) um but Nancy I thought it was just deer ticks
0: that you have to watch out for oh my goodness ticks just if it's a tick you have to watch it um there's so many the asian longhorn tick that was discovered a couple years ago um deer ticks um lone star tick lone star my favorite not really but lone star because i found one on me luckily I didn't get the meat allergy that goes along with that Lone Star tick. So for some reason, that tick didn't have it, which I am also need to clarify that all not all ticks have bacteria and viruses. But studies have shown 50% of the ticks in, in an area are usually infected. So you're going to take a 50-50 chance and possibly getting a bacteria or virus that could change your life.
1: But Nancy... They told me that ticks don't live where I
0: live. Okay. I have yet to see a tick throw up the flag and say, oh, no, that's the border. I can't cross there. I don't think they have those color signs or whatever. And um, if they're on a deer and the deer run from here, there, and everywhere, um, yes, there's concentrated area that's warm and moist, which is their survival um, environment, But ticks have been found in every state in the United States and all over the world. So there may be less ticks. There's only 2000 eggs being laid in your area instead of five. <laughs> I'm just saying that off the cuff. The thing is, is that they've been found everywhere and people have been infected in every state in the United States and all over the world. Canada has a huge problem um, and that just emerged about three years ago where people started to make the connection between the illnesses of the people in that area with Lyme disease. So that's just one example.
1: My favorite tidbit that we share with the kids and they go, oh, is we say, like Nancy just said, that Lyme disease and the other tick-borne illnesses and ticks have been found on all 50 states but they have also been found on all seven continents. There are penguins in Antarctica that they have a study done that they found the Borrelia burgdorferi bacteria in these penguins. So Lyme disease and ticks are everywhere. But what about Nancy? They're only here in the summertime. So like when I go out in the fall, like I don't have to worry about things, you know?
0: Sure, you may think that, but leaf litter is one of the favorite places for ticks to hide. So when you play the cover me up with leaves and find me and all of that and jumping in the leaves and all of those activities, you're actually putting yourself at risk for getting a tick on you and possibly being infected. And causing some illness. And guess what? Ticks have been frozen in water and then come back alive. And so even in the really frosty temperatures, which global warming, warming, if we are having more warm days in many regions and places that didn't that used to have hard freezes. And what's happening is the ticks are able to be. 365 days a year out and about. Maybe because in some colder regions, people aren't out and about as much and the ticks may slow down their activity. However, they're still out there, 365, 724.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the study that Nancy is referring to, I believe is the one that was at an old Dominion University a few years ago and they took a tick and they froze it. And then they kept it frozen for like, I think it was six months or so. Then they took it out and let it defrost. And then the tick crawled away. So yeah, they can survive in the freezing cold. And then Chris Newby in her book, Bitten, which we highly recommend to read, has documented a study where they found ticks surviving in water. And I think it was like for like 70 days or something like that. It's just, they can, they are indestructible. They just live through everything. So Nancy, now that I know that I will one, I need to watch out for all of the ticks, not just your ticks, that ticks are everywhere and that they are here 365 days of the year. What can I do to not get
0: bit by a tick? Uh, One of the first things we teach is to wear light colored clothing and white light colored clothing does not repel a tick, but it lets you see if a tick is crawling on you. But before you even get your clothes you need on you you really need to use either natural or chemical repellents so that a tick doesn't want to climb on your shoes doesn't want or if it does it's killed instantly or within a few seconds and there are products out there that can do that so whether you like the natural products or the chemical products and sawyers um has a product that you can wash your clothes in and that will repel ticks for weeks. And they generously sponsor the LEAF program. But if you prefer a natural uh, situation, do whatever it takes to repel the ticks and for your pets as well, um, because uh, your pets need a repellent. But remember if you're putting a repellent on your pets or They're ingesting a repellent because now they have chewables. That is a repellent. So when the pets have a repellent on them, guess where if they climb on them, then they decide they don't want to be there near that repellent. Where are they dropping off? Possibly in your house. So that I think many people don't even think about is we, I believe most of us or all of us give our pets a repellent for these things to save our pets from Disease, Lyme disease, and so forth, but then we don't realize that those repellents could cause them to drop off and get on us. That's why we would need to wash our clothes in a repellent or use a natural repellent to to ward off the ticks. Also. So we talked about the clothing. Then you put on your light colored clothing. Well, when you do that, especially if you're going into high risk areas, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but you want to tuck your pants into your socks and start a whole new Instagram trend.
1: (laughs) Yes, everybody wear those long pants tucked into your socks. Even if it is hot outside, it is much better to be sweaty and maybe not look so chic, then to get Lyme disease, and like Nancy said, if we all go in it together, we're all going to start a new trend, and then we won't feel so awkward when we do it. Safety is hot, people.
0: <laughs> and then you need long sleeve shirts, and then a hat uh, because a hat will deter uh, the tick if if you're in a wooded area. Because despite some thinking that ticks do not crawl above too far, two to three feet above, we have had reports, Cass can tell you that as well, of things dropping on them, ticks dropping on them in a wooded area or someplace where it's warm and moist. And some some doctors or researchers may dispel that thought, but wear a hat. Why not? Keep yourself safe. So clothing repellents. Now, stick to the center of the trails. You hikers are going to say, no, I can't see what I need to see. Well, make sure that you stick to the center of the trails, avoid tall grasses and wooded areas. But if you are that hiker that goes out into the wilderness, you need to remember that you need to do a daily tick check.
1: Yes, tick checks are so important. And one other thing to note, is that it's not just hikers, which people like often are like, oh, well, I don't do the outdoors like that. You can catch a tick in your backyard. You can catch a tick walking to, I have a woman who was in my support group who literally got bit by a tick walking to her mailbox. Like they, especially if you are in endemic areas like the Eastern Shore. Hello, Marylanders. That's probably people that are listening to this we have a lot of freaking ticks all over the place. I have found a tick on my brother-in-law's car one time, like they are everywhere. So you don't have to be a hiker to go out and get bit by the tick. But like Nancy just said, if you are going outside, literally just going outside ever, it's so important to do a tick check. My nephew knows I've kind of like scared him from going in the grass. He was like, Oh no, my ball went into the grass. Can I go get it? I'm like, Sure. We're just doing tick checks when we go inside. So how does one do a tick check? What
0: is a tick check? A tick check starts at the top of your head with the balls of your fingers, and then you rub and get to know your head and all the lumps and bumps, as Cass and I say, (laughs) of your head, because you might have moles up there or lumps and bumps that you wouldn't think about and get to know your head very well and systematically go through the hair and down across your head section by section. You probably take at least three sections above the ears and then go into the nape of the neck, the nape of the neck or the back of the neck where the hair is, is the area where many times ticks are found. So we always throw our hair over our heads don't we, catch? Yep. It's always good
1: to have someone else to check for you as well, because I don't know about you, but I can't see the back of my neck. So if someone else is with you, have them just be like, hey, check my neck. Would you? I make my friends do it if we ever go anywhere. I'm like, by the way, you're checking me for ticks when we get back.
0: Exactly. So check for ticks, Brad Paisley. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that song. <laughs> We're going to check for ticks. And then start going down the shoulders. And you want to... I have to say this. You want to touch and rub like you're taking a shower and up under the armpits. Um, that is one of the warmest, moistest places on the body. So check there if you feel anything, especially if it flip flops, you know, you rub your hand over something. Mm-hmm. A, a tick will flip flop if you could rub in different directions. Check between your fingers. And rub each side left and right. And then you keep going down the body, lift and separate, as I always say. (laughs) There's parts of the body that has creases and rolls and a belly button. Oh, my gosh, the belly button.
1: Yes. It can be in your belly button. It can also be in your ears. So make sure that you check your ears. Ears are, especially for young kids. I have seen quite a few times parents with pictures of their toddlers with a tick in their ear and you don't check like the ears. Very often people are like, eh, it's an ear who cares about it. No, check your ears. Cause I think ears are also very warm. At least my ears are always very warm compared to the rest of your body. But then as Nancy was just talking about, you got to check your rolls and your creases and you got to get your nooks and your crannies. Make sure you check your private parts, people. Oh, it's getting spicy on the podcast today.
0: <laughs> yes. Between those legs and uh, in the creases, any place where your body folds over that um, I've had little kids actually Cass and I've been on the road and little kids say, oh, yeah, I had one on my. hmm. One of my cousins had
1: one on his "Mm -hmm," when he was a baby. The first tick that I ever saw, actually, that I know
0: of. (laughs) Yes. So uh, as crazy as that sounds, we still need to check those areas. And then you roll your hands on down that leg and behind the knees. Behind the knees is warm and moist. Actually, my granddaughter had a tick behind her knee and then. I call them the armpit legs, your armpit yes. legs are warmer, right back there. Yep.
1: You got to check behind your legs. And
0: of course, all the way down to your feet and check between those toes. Woo. Yes. Every inch or centimeter <laughs> or millimeter of your body needs to be checked more so in the warm, moist areas. But I've also pulled um, ticks off of my granddaughter just on her on her um, calf muscle. So yes, all of the above. So every millimeter of your body, you should check.
1: Also important when you come inside before you do the tick check, we always recommend taking your clothes off and putting them immediately into the dryer, not the wash, because as we learned a few minutes ago, ticks can survive in water. So if there are any ticks on your clothing, put them in the dryer, the high heat will hopefully kill them. And then you should immediately get into the shower. You can even perform the tick check in the shower or right after you get out of the shower. And for those with little children, us at the leaf program. Yes, we have come up with the tick check song. So you can check it out on our website. If you want to, I'll give you a little sneak peek right here. I don't want to get bit. I don't want to get sick. So I check for ticks and then we go all the way through the whole body. So check that out. It's going to be the new Cocoa Melon learning the tick check song. Maybe I'll reach out to Coco Melon, get them to make us a tick check song up there.
0: Yes, absolutely. So then if while you're doing all of that, you find a tick, then we have a proper tick removal method. Because on the internet, you can find all kinds of tick removal processes. And 99% of them are incorrect. Because we have something at the LEAF program we call tick spit. And so when you start fooling with a tick and the tick is fighting to get its meal don't get between me and my cheeseburger says the dick <laughs> okay so you want to go in with tick tweezers and we promote tick tweezers because they're designed properly um if you don't have those try tweezers of some sort but tick ease tweezers have a fine point and a flat um tool so that you could go up under the tick so t is for tweezers using fine point tweezers i is inserted up under the tick so that you are getting there because you want to grab it by the hipposome you read my mind girl
1: (laughs) so ticks if you grab it by the belly if you're full, you just had Thanksgiving dinner and someone comes up and squeezes you super, super tight around your stomach, you're going to either throw up or feel like you're going to throw up. That's exactly what the tick is going to feel like. And so the part that is attached to the tick is called the hippostome. And Nancy always calls it, it's the shovel. It's the part that sticks out of the, the tick and it digs into your skin. It burrows in and that's where it latches on with its little hooks. And that's how it stays inside of you. So you've got to hold on to the hippostome to make sure you get, number one, the full tick out. But to make sure, number two, you don't squeeze that baby by the belly. Because why shouldn't we squeeze it by the belly, Nance?
0: Bacteria and viruses live in the tick's belly. Yeah, and that's why we call it tick spit, because they follow the tick spit into the wound that they've created on the body. And then you're just kind of pushing any bacteria and viruses that may not have gotten into you before into your body during the removal process. So you want to grab constantly and consistently on that hippostone. C is constant, consistent pressure and pull straight up. Because if we pull straight up, we're not readjusting. And grabbing the belly of the tick. We're not grabbing the tick and just throwing it. You know, and then everybody wants to burn the tick. And K is keep the tick in the Ziploc bag, label it, and date it. And S, send the tick off for testing. Because you can test the tick for various viruses and bacteria, which is a whole lot less expensive than trying to playing needle in the haystack with the symptoms and trying to figure out what's going on. The tick will tell you, or the scientist, the lab, what, if any, viruses or bacteria have been in that tick. And then your doctor knows exactly what protocol to go to and what how to treat you. Also the
1: tick testing is more accurate than the testing that they have for humans. So it's a much better to get the actual test for the tick than for us. But Nancy, my question to you is, uh, why the heck don't I burn that tick or flush it down the toilet like I've been told to do for my entire life?
0: Well, I don't like the whole idea that the tick can swim and swim back up into the toilet and bite you again. What? And whoever walks into the... After you've been there and that tick is flushing or you thought it was flushed and it kind of grabbed onto the side and started crawling back and it's looking for a blood meal. I don't know. But I don't know about you, but I'm not liking it. So... It also, you don't burn it because then you've lost your evidence, your evidence of whether it had bacteria or viruses, because 50-50 chance says it did, 50-50 chance says it didn't. So you don't know if you're infected or not infected. So burning it doesn't help you at all. Flushing it down the toilet could cause somebody else to get bit. And you also lost your evidence. So then you see a doctor and you go, I had a, I had a tick bite. If you take that Um, If you send it off to be tested, then you have that evidence and then they know how to treat you. Also, if you see the doctor, when you have the tick with you, if you take it to the doctor immediately, if you can get an appointment that quick, the doctor, if they're knowledgeable, may I please say that? The key, if they are knowledgeable. Um, They can see it's a Lone Star tick and a Lone Star tick carries certain... Bacteria viruses, they can see if it's an Asian longhorn tick and whether they they have certain things. If it's a deer tick, you know, each tick for some reason gets different, picks up a um, a set of viruses and bacteria. I don't know that we know why, they just do that have been linked to them especially.
1: And I will also say how Nancy just said, if your doctor is knowledgeable, if you go to a doctor and you bring them your tick and they throw that thing out in the trash, you leave that doctor and you never go back there because that is not an intelligent human being. I have several people- that have Lyme disease that went to the doctor, they brought their tick with them and the doctor said, Oh, we don't need that. It's fine. You don't need to know this. And then they ended up becoming chronically sick with Lyme disease. And not only Lyme disease, they had several other tick infections that if that doctor would have tested that tick, they could have known and prevented this person years of suffering and thousands and thousands of dollars lost. So always make sure you send that tick for testing. And if your doctor won't do it, find a new doctor, find somebody else, call me up. I'll help you.
0: Yes, exactly. And Cass and I know that we've been to many doctors with our symptoms and no one, for me, I didn't talk about a tick bite because I didn't think about tick bites were dangerous. I, I grew up on a farm. We just took them off improperly. And then when I really got sick and learned all this prevention information, I'm like, why is no one telling me this? And then, yep. then I had doctors that didn't believe I had Lyme disease. Well, I still get people that will talk to me and say, oh, I
1: had a tick bite me years ago, but it was a dog tick. So I'm fine. And then I'm sitting there talking to them and they start telling me about all these weird health issues that they've been having and no doctors can figure it out. And I'm like, hmm, hmm. Hmm, how interesting. We're not taught these things though. So, that is why we have the LEAF program and why we are so grateful for Dr. Fox for taking the initiative to educate these young kids because we believe the children are the future. Teach them well and teach them about Lyme disease. And hopefully, we have a way to end this pandemic because nobody
0: else is helping us. So,
1: education is the key. And that is why we are so grateful for
0: you to be here today. Thank you so much, Cass. It's a pleasure. I can't wait to get back out on the road with you and and do a few weeks on the road and go see the kids and their excitement and and to see them and the counselors. The
1: counselors are the most fun part because you sit there, so we're supposed to be there for these little kids, and you sit there and you watch these teenagers, early adult counselors and their faces are... (gasps) oh. What? Like their jaw hits the ground because they don't know this either. I wouldn't have known this stuff if I didn't live this. I'm the one that has been educating my friends for years now about this stuff. And nobody knows because we haven't been taught. So hopefully with the work that you are doing, we are making it so the next generation to come up knows what to do and what to look for. And they teach their parents and their friends and family members what to do and what to look for. And hopefully we can get the curriculum in all of the school districts across the country and get more education and awareness out there about Lyme disease and
0: ticks. Yes, Lyme disease and ticks and everything else that goes with it. So it will save each individual that has been exposed um, a lot of grief and heartache and keep, hopefully the, the mission is to keep people from getting exposed to ticks and the diseases they carry. And then on top of that, it will not hit the family financially um, and devastating. I mean, Cass's mom is, you know, and family have been working with her most of her life and have been through so many anguish moments about, her health and what was affecting her and trying to save her and trying to get her healthy again and i i have to say she still goes through it like a champion and um she's the healthiest i've seen her in 3 years so you know that pure perseverance and dedication not only to her own health and well-being but the health and well-being of others and now this new podcast i'm loving it i'm loving every minute of it Great to be here, dear. Thanks. Remember
1: that time you let me drive your car for hours after I had been paralyzed for like six months.
0: <laughs> That's yes. in New York City and everywhere. People go, "What you? What did you do? <laughs> you let know a girl who was paralyzed drive your car?"
1: <laughs> oh, I love you, lady. I'm so glad for all of our travels and our Hallmark nights and our jam sessions and. As everybody knows, we end every episode with a song recommendation. So Nancy and I have several songs that we just put all the windows down, open the sunroof, and belt out at the top of our lungs. So the one that we have decided on for this podcast is One Less Day Dying Young by Rob Thomas. It's Nancy's favorite. She goes, ooh, when she sings it. (laughs) True. (laughs) So thank you again, Dr. Nancy Fox for being here and for our bonus Lyme Disease Awareness Month episode and teaching everybody how to look out for ticks, what they do if they find a tick and everything else in between. Make sure that you guys check out the leaf program. We are on Facebook, Instagram. Our website is theleafprogram.org. They do accept donations. And if you would like the Lyme Education Awareness Foundation to come to your neck of the woods and educate everybody around you that you know and love, make sure you reach out to us on that website. We have a form. You can find our email, our phone number. We are always there to help. So, thank you very much, Nance. And I hope everybody has a lovely and safe day. Make sure you check for Pitt.